everyone, welcome to another episode of Opposites React. I am Sarah and I'm here with Tyler. How's it going? Pretty good, thank you. I did this in the wrong order because it is July 15, 2020, episode 25. Um, stuff has gone on this week. We watched a movie, we played games, so we have stuff to talk about. And you apparently have a topic of some sort that you have not made me privy to. So you tell me what's up. Well, uh, let's start by... I guess we could talk first about the movie we watched last week. Okay. Was that on Friday? Yeah, Friday, because yeah. we didn't have our usual... Danganronpa night. Right, that'll resume this week. <laughs> yes, starting B3. Uh, but yeah, so we watched another uh, Studio Ghibli film on Netflix. Yep. This time it was Castle in the Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, your opinion? Your impressions? First impressions? I liked it not as much as Nausicaa. I like the story of Nausicaa better. The one thing that really bothered me about Castle in the Sky is how fast the relationships built. <laughs> like the girl falls out of the sky, and the boy is instantly in love with her and says he's she's everything to him. Well, it's not like most Japanese. Okay, the, no, it doesn't take five hours to like make some one person everything to you. Like it felt too quick. Um, but it was it was a cute story, but uh, it felt a little shallow to me. But that's that's why I like Nausicaa a little bit better. But your opinion? Uh, what I saw of it, I really liked. I'll admit, I fell asleep uh, again. <laughs> again? I don't know. Should I just be watching these by myself? <laughs> no, I'm still seeing like 80% of it. Like I read the synopsis afterwards. I did like, hear you sleeping again. I was like, yeah. uh, okay, goodbye. I'm always good for like the first half hour or so. And for some reason, these movies so far, there's <laughs> some kind of lull in the middle that I don't find a lull though. Like no, I, I'm, sure I'm constantly paced well. riveted to yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know. No, I've, what I saw of it, I really liked it. Like you said, it was, it was definitely a lot different plot and, and character structure compared to Nausicaa. The biggest um, difference was probably the soundtrack. It went from like cool 5-bit or 16-bit uh, like Final Fantasy V music <laughs> to like orchestral. <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah. No, it was really good. Um, exactly. I like the uh, sort of like relationship she builds up with the airship people. The uh, the gang of pirates, space pirates. Mm, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Air pirates, whatever you want to call them. They're pirates. Yeah. Yeah. No, the it was gang, really good. The crew. Donna's crew something. It was. It was probably. It was. So I mean, film. It was probably about two hours, just like Nausicaa yeah, was. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it was. I could see like you could you could have took the premise of this movie and spread it out over like an anime series. You could have made a lot of adventures and stuff. Yeah, so. I feel like there was many things that could have been made deeper. Mm-hmm. That's why, like I said, it felt really shallow to me. Like it kind of was one note. It was like a chase scene, and then it was more chasing. Like it was just one long chase. So yeah. I don't want to be too many more pains, but like I said, it was really good. Most of the Ghibli stuff is good, I think. It's, it all comes down to whether you like the animations and the the like the voice work's all good so far. The English voice acting is all good. Yeah, so that's definitely yeah. been a high for me, for yeah. sure. Are the rest of them, they're not usually two hours, though, are they? I think no, they do eventually get shorter. Yeah, I think some of them might even be short as like 95 minutes or like 100, 100 minutes, you okay. know. So, yeah, no, they're not all about, there might be even only a couple that are even over two hours. Okay. They're not very long, but... Yeah, I can't remember the next one is either. I was looking at the list the other day. I cannot remember if it's like Princess Mononoke or Kiki's Delivery Service mm, or... I don't think so. I think it's another one. That, it's, not, that... it's not Totoro yet, I don't think. No. It's later on. I we'll can't find remember. out. We'll find out. Yeah, so it was good. Uh, what have you been playing? Animal Crossing. <laughs> Besides Animal Crossing? Animal Crossing. I thought you started playing something else the other day. I did. I don't know if I like it though. Okay. Well, we won't go into depth on that, I guess, then. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, oh, I guess, well, I guess since, la- yeah, since last week, I don't think I had started playing it yet. When did I start playing The Last of Us 2? 
That was probably after last, next probably week, last after, Wednesday. Yeah. Okay, so I've... You beat it the day before, so... Right. So I started, I started playing The Last of Us Part 2. Yes, you did. Probably, I don't know, five or six hours That's in. That's what I would have said. Yeah. Really good so far. Like, really good. Um, what makes it so really good? <laughs> oh, if you, Okay, if you played the... If you played The Last of Us before playing this one, a lot of the gameplay mechanics are obviously similar. There's some tweaks, like, um, gameplay-wise, you know, you can, uh, there's a, there's like a quick, you can press like R1 on the PS4 controller, you can do a quick uh, weapon swap between two guns. Just It's a little simpler than probably use the D-pad in the last game. okay. Uh, you can go prone now, like you can oh, hold circles yeah. that are, you can go prone, you can crawl through, there's a lot of areas now that the mechanics, they've done something there, was like, there's like long tall grass, grass yeah. tall grass outside, you can crawl through the grass to avoid enemies or sneak up on them. Um, I know that there, eventually there will be dog enemies, I haven't got to that Ooh, part yet. sounds nasty. Like, uh, but yeah, no, like, like so far, the I mean, the production value, as expected, with Naughty Dog, is insane. Like the story, I'd say probably the first two hours of this game is like 80, 80% cutscenes and 20% gameplay. They really set up the story here, obviously. You know, this one takes place, uh, was it four years after the first Last of Us uh, ended? Right. So, you know, you still got Ellie and Joel. I'm not going to any spoilers here yet. Uh, you got Ellie and Joel and Tommy, you know, and um, they're, they're all living in, uh, I think they're living in a settlement near Jackson, which is where Tommy was in the first game. So they start their own gang? Like, not well, the Fireflies? Yeah, that's nothing to do with the Fireflies anymore. Fireflies aren't even... Well, the Fireflies are, are, are vaguely mentioned so far, but as okay. far as I know, the Fireflies are done. There's, like, okay. there's other factions now. I see. Um, but, yeah, like, the first the first thing I noticed, though, is, like, so, obviously, the last of us remastered looked great on the PS4, because, I mean, it's a, it's a remaster. Like, it already looked great on the PS3, so they were probably yes. pushing the heck out of that engine. And now with the last re- with remastered, obviously, it looks pretty great, too. But you can tell this game was, like, built from the ground up for PS4. Mm-hmm. It just looks so good. And, uh, yeah, level of detail is amazing. Um, even the, the gameplay feels more fluid, too. Like, when you're going through between cover and battle or just trying to, like, sneak up on an enemy or jump over things. Like, it just everything just feels more fluid. Um, I haven't had any, any encounters yet, combat encounters that I found frustrating. Um, I am playing on normal for this playthrough. I know I played on hard for The Last of Us Remastered because I've beaten that a couple times already. But for this first one, I wanted to play on normal. Um, and so far, like I said, the combat has been good. Like, there's been some enemy encounters that are challenging. Like, I'll get flanked and shot or uh, I haven't, like, died yet or... Um, run in any scenarios where I'm really desperate but the combat can get pretty hectic. And, Does uh, your AI partner help you or no? Yes. Okay. Yes. Just like Ellie helped Joel in the first game in this one you're mostly like, you're playing as Ellie with another uh, person I, I guess this isn't really a spoiler. Well she has a friend who may be a, like more than a friend you know what I mean partner companion but uh yeah, like I said, I'm definitely like I, I know the part I left off at the other day when I was playing. Uh, I think the gameplay is going to diverge a bit now. Like she basically at this point in the game, Ellie is like on a revenge path. I won't spoil why she's on a revenge path, but she's angry about something. She's trying to track down some people and do some harm. So I'm almost at that part now where things are going to start getting really intense. <laughs> Let's see how that goes. What is my favorite yeah. part of this game? Your favorite part of the game so far? Uh, what did you mention to me the other day? I'm trying to think. Um, this is not sarcasm either. There's something I actually like about this game. Oh, I can't imagine it's the music. Nope. Because uh, there hasn't been that much of the music so far like that stood out. Uh, not the guitar playing, is nope. it? Nope. Oh. Um, I don't know. What? The accessibility I... features. Oh, yes, of course. There's <laughs> definitely, like, you can you can make the subtitle font as large as you want. There's you can change to colors. Speech. Text-to-speech is pretty oh, cool. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It's like so much good stuff. Ugh. 
They even, remember, remember I told you, like, they had a setting specifically for, like, they have a setting, like, that's, that's fine-tuned for blind people. They have a setting that's fine-tuned for deaf people. So, like, for yeah. the blind one, like, you would say, like, they would have, like, obviously the text speech They would have, like, auto-aim. Yes, the, like, I don't yeah. have to aim at anything. I'm just mm-hmm. pew-pew. Like, if I was into this game, that'd be amazing. Why can't games that I'm interested in do this? Because I have to read most of my games. If yeah. they had to, just a Google TTS... I would be totally fine with that. Yeah, they've Night Dogs definitely set the bar for next gen. I yes, think most games please. now have to definitely up the accessibility. Please talk about this so people, so game developers hear this <laughs> because this is something that I would totally love, and I'm sure so many other people would. That's my favorite part. <laughs> Good. Yeah, so definitely great so far. I'll definitely keep you guys updated next week once I put some more hours into it. Um, and other than that, you know, uh, my usual gaming repertoire. I'm still playing. So we're making progress towards finishing that Apex Battle Pass for Season 5. Uh, you finished the story? I finished the story, the hunt the stuff, for, which was interesting. There was I'm not going to really spoil the tease here for anybody that's still playing through it, but it's uh, people on Reddit were blowing up about it. The, the, there's like a, like an epilogue after I finished the hunt the other day, and it definitely it, it even it, it even ends with a stinger from Respawn saying, like, stay tuned for more in Season 6. Of so you course know, they, I do. They're going to build upon this still, right? But it was intriguing. Uh, and and MLB obviously the show twenty so going strong. The new uh, monthly program drops tomorrow, so a bunch of new cards to collect and uh, more it's missions. It's never ending. Every week I feel that you say cards come out this week. Cards well, come yeah, out this every week. week cards they come always you know, they have new they have player programs. They have conquest maps. They have the monthly programs. Obviously each month. Oh, I mean the they most the, the most exciting the thing that people are really excited for right now is the fact that with baseball coming back in real life, real baseball. So I'm guessing as of like August they're going to bring back the inside edge yeah, for I'd the have live to cards. So. And they said they're going to update the uh, rosters and like the attributes weekly. So before when did they used to, it was it used to be biweekly. Oh, okay. So usually what happened was in the past, like once a month, you would see the upgrades where guys go from like silver to gold or gold to diamond. Yeah. But now they're saying More because the season's so short, they're going to upgrade really aggressively. So oh, if, okay. so if someone has a hot week, they could easily go Boom. from gold to diamond. Yeah. You know, so because it means more. Right. So that's interesting. Uh, other than that, I guess we can just go into the topic for this week. Right? I don't Let's know what it is though. Well, um, I have a couple of different ones here because they could both easily take the duration of the rest of this podcast. So I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Do you want me to talk about... Is this a dis or dat? Yes, exactly. <laughs> for those <laughs> Jackbox reference, those out there that play. You don't know Jack. Uh, so for, for you all choose, I have a list here of some of my favorite... And I'm going to go into detail on each one as to why it's on my list. Some of my favorite screenplays in films. Okay. And or we can go with the other option, which is my favorite endings in film. Oh, that'll obviously be very spoiler heavy, so I will definitely warn you ahead of time. We'll go but, screenplays. Okay. And you know what? We can even probably break this up into because I have two different uh, lists here for the screenplays. But basically, what I did is I, aside from combing my personal memory of like what screenplays stand out to me, because I can use the names from off the top of my head, but I also went back and I looked at the last twenty years of films. So the last, yeah, the last two decades of film and like what screenplays were nominated or won awards, right? Okay. No, 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 I'm not saying that's a be all in dogs. There's lots of movies on those lists I haven't seen or even ones on there where I saw them like, yeah, like it was a good film. The screenplay didn't really stand out to me that much. There was definitely something I felt got snubbed, but I was able to pull together a pretty good list. Of, so basically I have a list here of ones that are uh, like original screenplays oh, and adapted. or adapted screenplays. <gasps> Can we do adapted? Sure. I mean, you'll know some of the ones on this list. You've either seen some of the films or you've obviously heard of them or heard or watched them. But yeah, so we can go with adapted. So adapted meaning obviously now adapted could mean um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's taken directly from a novel. It could be from a like that's that's usually what it means in most of the case. But it could also be taken from uh, like a, someone's biography, like a memoir. It could be uh, a graphic novel, like comic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be like a book, like a Stephen King book that's adapted to 
Although those almost all Can are. Can adapted from a play? Um, yeah. Yeah, it counts as adapted, too. Okay. Yeah, it's anything that comes from another source material, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, okay, so I don't... What, when I did this list here, I think I might have these organized by year of release. They're not... Like, definitely, that's how I'm looking at it. It's definitely alphabetical or anything. So I guess I'll go by year by release. So in this case, um, how many do I have on here? Seven? I don't know why I chose seven, but well, I guess there's only seven that's so it's being... Was, completeness. Yeah. <laughs> so the first one I got on the list uh, is from 2016, I believe. Uh, it's called Arrival. Oh yes, I know that movie. It has, oh my gosh, the girl. Did I know? Amy name. Adams. There you go. I yeah. was gonna say Enchanted Girl. Yeah. Amy Adams, uh, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, really good cast. Uh, great film. I've seen it. I don't know, three or four times maybe. Saw it once in really? theaters. Saw it another time on Netflix. Maybe I've only seen it on Netflix a couple times then. But yeah, so I mean, the thing is too, like all the movies on this list are gonna stand out for many more reasons that like they're good films in general i'm not just saying that the like they're it's it's, it's not like it's a good screenplay and a bad film like generally speaking mm-hmm. a good screenplay is going to make a good film <laughs> and generally it's going to have probably really good acting and good directing like it's a complete package kind of deal here right but what was it adapted from uh i, I don't i don't have it on my list here, but i can look i can look it up really quick why would you yeah. do adapted screenplays and not write down what well some of them from? on the list i know what they're adapted from off the top of my head but for rival not exactly sure i believe it's based on a, it's from a book i would assume so or actually you know what it might be it says series? here based based on a 1998 short story okay so i would also like to know if like the ma- the original writer is involved with the screenplays yep that's a good point and then in some cases they are uh in this case i do not believe yeah, because Arrival, only one person did the screenplay, and it just says based on, you know, the authors. So right. the author didn't have direct input on this one. But, yeah, so Arrival is a uh, – it's a, it's a film that's maybe hard to recommend for, for a number of reasons to people because it, it is very slow-paced. It's mm-hmm. definitely like when you – I think the description on Wikipedia here calls it a, a – um, A slow burn. <laughs> Well, I just actually just just a science fiction film. I'm glad they didn't oh. put like science fiction adventure or thriller because oh. it's really not appropriate. It's just it is sci-fi film, obviously at heart. Uh, but the the themes it deals with too are very much like the film opens with. And again, this isn't really a spoiler because literally the first three minutes of the film, the film opens with uh, Amy Adams' character, who's I think a college professor or teacher or something like that, and her her daughter has just died of cancer. Mm-hmm. I think her daughter. They don't really give. They sort of show. They sort of show. Uh, there's a nice little montage at the end that kind of shows, like from when the daughter was born to her being a toddler to a, you know, a, a preschool kid, and then like maybe into. I think she probably died. She's in her teenage years, if I had to guess, based on the, the way the montage kind of ends with her dying of cancer. But yeah, so it opens obviously very depressing material, and then you have. Um, I'm really not going to spoil the whole thing because it's such a good film to just sink your teeth in. It's one of those films you watch, and then. Because, again, the screenplay is so good, too. And they're, they're throwing a lot of stuff at you, but they do a good job of letting it breathe. Like, they don't just throw a bunch of stuff at you, jump to another scene, and throw a bunch of stuff. There's time to explore the themes. And uh, it's all about language, right? It's a very nice. interesting thing. Like, there's basically an, aliens, an alien ship has come down to Earth. And um, upon boarding and interacting with the aliens on this ship, they realize that, like, obviously the aliens don't speak English. This isn't, like, you know, a Looney Tunes cartoon or something, but... <laughs> So they're trying to decipher what the aliens are trying to communicate with them by. And I think that's where her character comes in. Amy Adams' character, I think, is probably like a linguistics linguist, professor yeah. or something. So it's just really cool the themes they go into, though. And like I said, it gets it's one of those films, like I said, you, you, want, you watch it once. And honestly, it drains you the first time you watch it. I would say you really want to watch it again a second time right away to like pick up on things from the first viewing. But it's definitely a movie you got to watch like a couple of days apart. I don't think you're just going to want to watch it like twice in one day kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's... 
it's such a, I don't know, there's times I was sitting in the theater watching it. I remember it wasn't like a very busy theater, like maybe like, you know, 30% full or something, but it was an older crowd, which I was glad I was. I'm sure a lot of teenagers there would be like, oh, it sucks, or, you know, I'm bored. But, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, there's so many things in the film that blew my mind. The screenplay is so good. And like I said, if it's, I'll give a lot of credit, obviously, to the short story guy. I'm not sure how much of the material directly came from that or if it's just like the basic premise and they built upon that. But yeah, it's one of my favorite sci-fi screenplays. Um, and I could, like, like I said, anybody that I know is mature enough or that would appreciate the film, I would definitely recommend it without, without hesitation. So Okay. Yeah, that's, that's my number one. So next on the list, we'll go to this one. I uh, I don't remember if you've, you might have watched it. I know you probably definitely listened to it. I don't know if you've actually watched it with me or not, but it was that one called The Big Short Oh, I watched this. Okay, good. Yeah. Yes. So that was actually that was 2015, so the year before Arrival, and that's that's based on the um, as a book. Yeah, that would be based on yeah. Someone wrote, I think it was actually you know the character that Christian Bale plays in the movie. Remember he plays the doctor who has like he's not, he's not autistic, but he has like some kind of a personality disorder that makes right. him you know. But he's very smart, right? He's a doctor. He's but he just doesn't he doesn't know how to communicate with people right. very well. But so he's actually the one I think who wrote the book that it's based on. He's oh, Dr. Michael Burry. Okay. So, but yeah, so it's based on the, um, like, I can't remember if it was 2008 or what year it was, whenever, like, the U.S. economy kind of burst, when the yeah. bubble burst on the real estate market and everything, and everything just started going mm-hmm. crazy. Um, but yeah, so yeah, like I said, you, you've seen the films, you can probably give a little bit of feedback on this. It's been but a while. I, I thought, like, because, yeah, it's not so much, it's not so much that the subject material is hard to understand. Um, but they do a really clever job of explaining it in ways. They use a lot of anecdotes and metaphors for yes. stuff. Like at one point, they show them like at a like a blackjack table at Vegas gambling, and they try to explain how because they throw a lot of terms around in this movie. Like there's like like CDOs and double CDOs. Yeah, remember that remember that scene where Ryan Gosling has like the Jenga tower. And explaining when you have all these A's and AAA mortgages, and then when you yes, remember that, that. So, good. so there's just so many ways. I thought the screenplay was really clever on explaining what could be complex business terms into, you know, yeah. simple to understand language. Good anecdotes. Yeah, and obviously the film is well, well acted, well, really well paced. I think it's probably a little over two hours, but it doesn't feel long no, at all. It's always at all. the energy is constantly moving you from yeah. like Steve Carell's great in it, Christian Bale, Ryan Gosling, everybody's great in the film. Um, yeah, that's definitely like one of my favorite. Um, so for something that's based on a true story, and you could have obviously made it like very straight laced, financial, like depressing material. Yeah. Um, but they made it entertaining in a way, but while still being eye opening as like, wow, this was messed up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, next on the list, we have well, actually another sort of financially based movie. Uh, this was 2014, uh, the Wolf of Wall, the Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, Leo. Yeah. Your boy so, Leo and Scorsese. They can't do no wrong. Um, again, so this is based on a book. And this was, uh, so DiCaprio's character in the film, the main character, Jordan Belfort, he's the one who wrote the book because he okay. was the one that was involved in all of this. It's not really it's not really insider trading. I mean, it's based on, you know, with Wall Street, how they would just, the way they would manipulate stocks and sell to people that didn't really understand what they were buying and uh, you know there's always huge like taking advantage yeah exactly like they were they weren't great good people they, but they were business wise they they knew how to make money and they were really good at it until eventually the fbi kind of came down and investigated them and then the whole thing kind of fell apart but uh so this one's obviously out of all the movies on my list it's probably the longest one i think it's probably almost close to three hours but there's okay. a lot of subject material to cover in there and but in typical scorsese fashion he does you know splurge on a couple of crazy scenarios for leo like that one scene where and again it's all based on belford's personal experiences so it's not like they made this stuff up but it's one scene where like they they took some bad drugs 
remember they were all like his like oh. he couldn't feel his legs anymore and he's like crawled back to his car like the scene was funny it had nothing to do with like the main such material well it, it showed it set up to show how much of a scumbag his character kind of was okay. how he later on in the film like how bad he is treating his wife and uh you know he, he has kids too but they don't he seems to love his kids in the film, but they, they don't play a big part of it. It, it only comes into, into the last act of the film when I think his wife wants to divorce him or something. But but uh, I don't know. There's always like a few scenes in this movie that definitely stand out to me. Number one. Now again, have you seen it or listened to it? No. Do you remember any? Okay. There's one scene that stands out. It's always like if you go on YouTube and search Wolf of Wall Street, there's always a couple of scenes that are going to come up as like the most viewed. And it's, the one's going to be, there's one scene between DiCaprio and Matthew McConaughey in a restaurant. They have a great like six, seven minute scene. Um where actually McConaughey improved a lot of it, like through, through Scorsese's, like gave him permission to kind of like do his own thing, and, right. and Leo wasn't really in on it, so it creates some, oh. some really good dialogue where Leo's kind of like at one point, like Leo's like he's looking around this restaurant, and you're th- you're thinking that his character is embarrassed, is what McConaughey's behavior is. But I was reading behind the scenes, that, uh, the character was like looking behind it, like Scorsese for direction. Scorsese's like, yeah, yeah, just go, go ahead. <laughs> like, <laughs> so he's like, oh, okay, we're doing this. So. No, that's a that's a great film between the two of them. Uh, a great, sorry, a great scene between the two of them. And the other one that stands out to me is um, when uh, uh, Jordan. Uh, so DiCaprio's character, Jordan Belford, he he's on a. This is like towards the second half of the film. He's on a yacht. Like he's he's rich by this point. He's on a yacht, and he, he knows the FBI is investigating him. He invites the FBI agent onto his yacht to talk to him about, you know, how his how the the firm works. You know, the stock brokerage and how they how they sell. How they're so good at what they do without kind of incriminating himself. You know what I mean? And at one point. The the uh, the actor who plays the FBI agent. He's so good. His name is Kyle Chandler. He uh, he tries to entrap Jordan in the conversation. Tries to get him to admit to doing something. And Jordan sort of subtly, um, Jordan subtly tries to like bribe the FBI agent without outright saying it. Right. And I don't know. There's just something about that scene. I love the way that scene is written because there's so much. There's you know you have those scenes where you you have two smart people playing off each other. And they're both trying to get each other to commit, admit something, or yeah. you know, I, I don't know. There's something about that scene that always stands out to me. And honestly, like if you want to see a, a well-written uh, like domestic dispute towards the, the later, uh, the last act of the film, when when Jordan and his wife, I think her name's Naomi, it's played by um, Margot Robbie, like the Harley oh, Harley Quinn. Yeah. So they have a huge argument. She wants to, like divorce him and leave him or whatever, and he it, it actually gets physical. Like he hits her a couple of times. Uh, he's on, you know, he's on a bunch of cocaine at this point, I think, and he he tries to like, because she wants to take his kids away from him, so he kind of like wakes up his kids middle, of, wakes up his daughter in the middle of the night. I think his daughter's the only kid that was there, and he tries to like throw her in the car and, and drive off with her, and he ends up crashing the car. And I don't know that that whole exchange, like ten minute scene where him and and Margot Robbie just screaming at each other, and you really feel like he actually, I'm sure he didn't obviously hit her, but you really feel they sold it as it being like a real physical domestic dispute you know what i mean she gets him back too he hits her but like it's it's intense it's one of the, one of the most well-written like i've never seen it because in theaters i've never seen that scene the whole movie people are laughing and cracking out like movie's funny in a lot of times whether you've whether you however, however you feel about this character, character. Right. i mean he's not a good character but he's, he still makes you laugh sometimes but and i remember that towards the second half of that or sorry that part of the film with the domestic dispute thing. i remember people in my theater just being like so quiet or being like oh like gasping you know because it just felt so raw yeah <laughs> so i don't know that always it's, it's a really good screenplay for a number of reasons it, it doesn't drag despite the runtime i yeah i definitely recommend everybody see it at least once it's a really good it's one of the characters best performances uh one of scorsese's best films like yeah overall it's just really good so that's that what is not dicaprio's best <laughs> performances uh, yeah, not, like, I, I could go another day and rank them yeah but yeah it's not it's not his best i'm not saying it's his best i'm saying but it's probably top five so uh no here's a good one this one you've definitely seen i've seen it probably pff, i don't know 
seven, eight times, I want to say at least. I saw it in theaters back in 2011. I want to say 2011 it came out. Um, Moneyball. Oh, my God. I've seen this so many times. Okay, but let's put aside, <laughs> I know your feelings about rewatching stuff. You get so, but you, upon your first or maybe even second impression of watching it, I know you like it. You like the like it's I good. I do like the movie. Yeah. It's good. Like um, for some, even for someone who wouldn't necessarily be a baseball or a sports fan, it does a really good job of like explaining. It humanizes a lot of it. Yeah, but I just like how it again. So this is it's based on the like the the book was written by well not written by the because it's based on a. The Oakland Athletics. The Oakland Athletics GM. He instituted this new system for uh, how they analytics evaluate players, analytics, and and trying to make the most out of a small budget team, right? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so it's so I mean, he kind of obviously helped co-author the book. Someone else wrote it, mm-hmm. but it's based on Billy Bean's accounts, and he's still actually with the Oakland Athletics to this day. Like this movie, the events in this movie take place about twenty years ago. Yeah. I think it was actually two thousand one. I think so, almost twenty years ago. Um, Is it? Is it yeah. two thousand one? Yep. Yeah. That's why I recognize the player name still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, so like Johnny Damon yeah. and uh, yeah, like Jambi. Jambi, exactly. Um, yeah, but no, it's it's like I said. It, in my opinion, it's one of the best sports screenplays ever. I but think it's not anybody could like it. Yeah, exactly. It's not something for everybody. Like if you're a sports nerd or a baseball fan like me, you love the film, I mm-hmm. think. And if you're not, it still has enough interesting aspects because I mean they they kind of deal with Billy's personal life, like his relationship mm-hmm. with his daughter and uh, his. You know, but because the movie is not like for being a sports movie, it's not actually a lot of sports action. You maybe only see nope. one or two actual baseball games being played. It's all about the behind the scenes yeah, stuff. For sure. But the scenes where he, those scenes he has where he's always like arguing with the scouts, you know, in the room where they're evaluating yes. the players, and he's kind of just like. My, one of my favorite scenes is him on the phone, like making all the trades. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> a great scene. Yeah, he's trying to play <laughs> off all the GMs. Yeah. That, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it should be it should be no surprise. Like this screenplay was done by Aaron Sorkin. He's, in my opinion, one of the greatest screenwriters ever. He. Um, I'll smile and nod. Yeah, just trust me. He's, <laughs> he was most famous. Like, I think he started out. He probably did some films in the nineties. I don't remember, but he started out mostly in TV. He did like The West Wing, that TV okay, show, The West yeah, Wing. Yeah, yeah. Did that for a number of years, and then eventually got into films. He's actually getting into directing now. Oh. He has a new film that was supposed to come out this year. I think it got pushed to twenty twenty one. Now he had a new do. film coming out this year that sounds really interesting that I'm excited to see. And it's based on. Uh, it sounds like a trial, like courtroom kind of film. Mm, and knowing his dialogue, it should be really good. Intense. So, but yeah, no Moneyball is. Uh, Again, I, I think it's a great film from an acting standpoint, from a screenplay standpoint. Uh, definitely rewatch. In my opinion, rewatchable. I've Enough. listened so many times, and I don't, yeah. I don't mind re. Even that one scene near the end, and this, okay, so it's spoilers. Like it's a sports movie. We're not it's talking about real events. We're not going to maybe be worried about spoilers here. But there's scenes towards the very end of the film where the GM Billy he gets a contract offer from the Boston Red Sox. Mm, yes, and I love that scene where he goes to meet with the owner of the Red Sox who's obviously being played by an actor but, but a really good actor as well and they just have this very frank conversation about like Boston just wants to throw as much money at this guy as they can to bring him because that's what Boston does just like New York right they want to throw as much money as they can at this guy because they said basically like you did what you did with your team in Oakland you spent like a quarter of what the New York Yankees spent and you won more games than them you know what I mean so he's but they just want to you know recruit him as so he decides to stay with Oakland at the end of the film and uh, now I don't know. I'm not sure how much this is true to real life or not. The film makes you believe that he's staying close to home because of his daughter. Like he didn't want to leave his daughter. Right. That's why. I'm she was sh- a bit older though, but yeah, it's like teenager. But yeah, yeah. but no, like I said, it, I think it's a great film, great screenplay. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next, we got. Uh, you know what? I'm actually going to take this one off only because I don't want to have two of the same 
directors back to back and i think this one's stronger anyway this one's obviously an easy shoe in on the list 2007 based on a great novel although a novel that honestly i thought would be almost impossible to adapt when i read this novel i thought to myself it's gonna be like no country or something isn't it you're exactly right no country for all <laughs> no country for all men is what we're talking about here just, be- gun. just because of the way that cormac mccarthy writes now, again, he didn't write the screenplay for this one. Obviously, he had input. Like, the, the Coen brothers wrote yes. the script. But they, but they wrote it so, like, devoted to his... Like, like, there's obviously, like... Most of the book is taken almost verbatim. Yes. Like, the dialogue and the way it's delivered. Like, they, they did a great job of staying true to the feel of the novel, which I thought would be almost, almost impossible to translate to film. Because, again, one of the things I like about the film... This has nothing to do with the screenplay necessarily, but one of the things I love about the film is that it has almost no soundtrack. That's true. And a lot of the, because a lot of the film is so tense. Yes. And it's meant to be that way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's and how the, that, 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 that's how the novel made you feel. Yeah, and the no, like, there's there's so many one on one interactions in the book, and that translates to the film as well. Right. Um, because again, the main antagonist in the film, Anton Chigurh, he doesn't speak much, but when he no. does speak, like specifically, <laughs> like that scared. one that one scene that if you go on YouTube again and search No Country for All Men, I guarantee the most viewed scene ever. Uh, or most repeatedly viewed scene is going to be that one where he talks to the gas station owner. Yeah. Remember that scene where yeah. he yeah, flips the coin and that's such a good scene. And again, that's, that's taken directly from the book, but yeah, like I said, I mean, the Coen brothers always have great, they, like they write, they, I think they probably write everything they direct. I don't think they actually use another screenwriter that, and then they direct that, that work, but they're such good writers. But like I said, in this case, I don't think they usually adapt though. I think they usually write their own stuff or if they do adapt, they, they put a lot of tweaks on it. Like this was the first time I think where they actually stood straight so up. straight to the source material. And yeah, like, I mean, everybody, I, I, I'm pretty sure it won. I didn't look it up. I'm pretty sure it would have won the award that year for best screenplay though at the Oscars. It was well-deserved. And 2007 was a tough year too. Like you had, of all the, I remember of all the films that were nominated that year, and I probably could have agreed all the films on the list were great for 07 that were nominated for screenplay. It was like I'm pretty sure we've talked about how amazing 07 was. Yeah, <laughs> but I remember like you had you had No Country for Old Men, you had There Will Be Blood. I was gonna say that you had Michael Clayton, which is another good film yep. I love, uh, George Clooney film. You had Lars and the Real Girls nominated. Oh Lars, yeah. I love you, Lars. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the other one was that year, but 07 was such a strong year. I could watch all those movies. Yep. All right, well, we will cap it off with, and this one, I'm pretty sure you've seen it. Maybe, I don't know if you've watched it. You've definitely heard it, though. Uh, this one's the oldest one on the list, going back to 99. Um, it's called The Insider. And that's the one with, the one with Russell Crowe and Al Pacino. Remember when they talk about the cigarette industry, the tobacco oh, that industry? One? Okay, yeah. I've only seen that once, mm-hmm. and I was like half asleep, mm-hmm. but I do remember. <laughs> it left an impression, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, that's based on a like 60 Minutes uh, article that. Or our segment that was that was uh, posted back then uh, when there was a sort of like a whistleblower in the tobacco yes. industry, talk about how like you know like uh, several companies all knew nicotine is dangerous, but they sort of mis they mislabel things, they uh, intentionally you know market it in a way to still appeal to obviously millions of people, knowing how mm-hmm. how dangerous how poisonous it can be. But yeah, it's that that's I mean again no surprise coming from a director like Michael Mann. Who's also done like you know Collateral and Heat oh, yeah. and so I many other good say films yeah. for screenplay. Yeah, I, I I do love that screenplay, but well, I mean, well again, that would be original though. That would be adapted. Oh, we're sorry. talking about adapted yes, here, I, so you're right. yeah. But yeah, so yeah, The Insider. It's it's definitely a, a long film, and it can it can have not for me, but I can see some other people having some pacing issues with it because it does cover a lot of the personal. Um, background of the Russell Crowe character, like his family yes. life and everything, it doesn't always just talk about the, the the tobacco stuff, like with CBS and and him getting investigated and the 
Because there's, there's a, the, care, the, whole, the whole film is all about like once the second half of the film kicks in, once he agrees to do this segment and talk to the media and everything, and then the you can tell like the the tobacco company or wherever he worked for, you know, they they've hired people to follow him around, intimidate him, mm-hmm. make him paranoid, threaten his family, that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, there's so many scenes in the second half of the film where like like Pacino carries the film, but Crow is so good too. And this was like this was in my opinion like the. Gold, Russell Crowe had that like three or four year run where he just did so many good films in a row. Like 99, he did The Insider. 2000 was Gladiator. 2001, A Beautiful Mind. Um, 2002, I don't think he did anything, but I think 03 was Cinder- Cinderella, Man. Cinderella Man. Yeah, like, he had a great run of, of films there. And like, funny enough, like he won he won the Best Actor Award for Gladiator because that was his most like mainstream blockbuster type mm, film. But he, but he should have won it, if anything, for The Insider, I think. Like the decision to make him like, cause I think at the time he was probably only in his early or mid thirties, but they, they had to put a lot of makeup, like d- great dye his hair gray, oh, put some makeup, yeah. like liver spot stuff on to make him look older. I think the main character he's playing was supposed to be like 50. Okay. So they definitely aged him up a bit. Uh, <laughs> the opposite of whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Pacino in normal fashion, like, if you know what to expect from Pacino, he's going to, he's always going to yell and scream in his films, but he does it in a really subdued way in this, in this film. He's not always yelling over the top just to like be a, because uh, he's playing a real character in this film. He's not playing like a fictional character that you can just sort of like go crazy with, like a Scarface or, a, mm. uh, you know, Carlito's Way or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I love, I, I've probably seen that film, The Insider, at least 10, 10 or 12 times in total. Um, I could rewatch it anytime. I think it's such a good film, such a good screenplay. Uh, even knowing like what dialogue is going to come ahead because I can remember in my head, I, I'm still always so enthralled by some scenes, especially towards the end. Uh, I won't get post spoilers here, but there's a really. Uh, emotional scene between Russell Crowe and Al Pacino towards the end of the film when after the segment gets aired and uh, yeah it's it's a really good film definitely recommend uh, I think it actually might be one of one of uh, one of like I love that all the directors work but I think it's one of his best screenplays for sure um, none of these screenplays were written by the same writer correct uh, no no that's so, awesome let me see what do we have to make sure again yeah no definitely not yeah, all different screenwriters like I said, I, I, I did admit I did one. I was going to put another Coen Brothers one on there, but that one is sort of a remake of another film, so I didn't really... And it was it obviously wasn't as strong No Country for Old Men, so I left it off. But yeah, that, those are my picks for... I Honestly, you can't go wrong watching any of those films. I think they're all great, great screenplays, great films in general. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I think, like I said, most of them won awards, or at least were nominated for awards during those the, during the last couple decades. Um, and obviously most of those writers are still doing great things or have done great things since, you know, mm. not just like one off screenwriters or they wrote one good thing and that was it fade away, you know? So, cause I think it's harder. Maybe like, I like picking you doing adapted today because mm-hmm. maybe for some, it's a lot harder cause you have to work with somebody else's baby really that they sure. made. Yeah. So you want to keep true to it and not ruin it. So it's harder to make a movie out of it. I mm-hmm. would assume for a lot of people. So yep. it's, Definitely well, because you got to figure too. Like anytime there's an adapted, I mean, with the exception of maybe, like I said, No Country's got to be the most devoted yes. adaption I've ever seen in terms of comparing the source material. But every other adaption, you're always going to omit some because yeah, you, well, you have to pick like, and choose. Yeah, you have, like you have a five or six hundred page novel, you're not going to put everything in the film. You're always going to omit stuff. You have yeah. to, it's hard to choose what you want to omit. Yeah, and sometimes you want to build on certain things in the film that maybe weren't fully or some things yeah. in the book that weren't fleshed out completely. You know, for the sake of entertainment. But yeah, I don't know. I I always would love to. I remember when I was younger, thinking like I had so many ideas about like a film screenplay, and I'd write these ideas down. I would just be like, "Where are these books?" 
it's crazy it's crazy to just think about like all the the work that goes into writing a screen like i'm always impressed when one singular person writes a screenplay or in the case of the coen brothers i mean they've been working together as brothers for so many years just like with the nolan brothers they know each other so well that's why that's why it always gives me pause whenever i see any film credits like opening credits and credits whatever where there's like three or four screenwriters on a film like that's a problem because there are too many heads too many people with their you know hands on the pot yeah. there and, and too many ideas get muddled it and usually changed, means that it's changed like, rewrites. too many hands yeah too many times um but yeah so i love when a film is done by one or two people with a specific vision mm-hmm. and you can tell that the screenplay just feels so much stronger as a result oh, right oh i was just thinking of that movie recently artemis fowl that one <laughs> handed off so many bloody times oh my goodness yeah. that's why it could have been so good but no that like, like i don't i never understand like how does it take five people to write a transformers film that's true like what, what <laughs> you got one person that writes the autobots one that writes the septicons one that writes the humans the bad jokes like and... yeah exactly i, I don't know <laughs> This guy made one even joke. that's 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 honestly been my problem with the most recent Bond films too. The, mm-hmm. Like the Daniel Craig Bond films, outside I think Casino Royale only had one or two, probably two. But after Casino Royale, I feel like every one of the Craig films had like at least three or four screenwriters, and like it's a problem because you have too many disjointed parts that mm-hmm. no, no cohesiveness. Like I said, the one thing I do like, and I'm, I'm hoping that I'm gonna like it when I finally get around to seeing. Um, uh, no time to die when that comes out is like I said they they brought on for the first time they brought on a female screenwriter and yes. it, was, it was the woman who did Fleabag right that, and you love which, Fleabag yeah so I'm wondering but I'm wondering I don't know I'm wondering if they brought her on just because I know in this film there's supposed to be a more prominent female agent that works with Bond I wonder if they brought her in to write that role because the other guy these other guys suck at writing women <laughs> I can hope so or if she's actually there to help write some Bond dialogue which I thought would be cool too I uh, hope it's but, not just for show to be like we have a woman right yeah, look at I us know. I hope that too but we'll find out when the film comes out I guess. But we all know your your movie of the year will be Tenet anyway, so what's the point? Okay. <laughs> when we get to original screen, when we get to the original screenplay topic, I'm going to talk about I can talk about how almost every Nolan screenplay blows my mind. Um If I have to hear Inception, okay, ever here, again. here's a No, don't do it. No, 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 no. Here's a trivia question for you. Okay. Out of all the films, so Nolan's been doing films for 20 years now. Yes. Exactly 20 years cuz Memento came out in 2000. Um 20 years of films I came around off the top of my head, I think maybe 10 10 or 11 no 9 or 10 films in total he's done only one of them was adapted do you know which one all the rest are original screenplays okay give me a second yeah um was it oh Prestige was adapted wasn't it yeah because the Prestige is a novel yes yeah. yeah it's the only one they adapted and again I think that's one of his strongest films I don't know how much of a testament mm-hmm. to that that is based on it to, again I'm not saying his original screenplays are bad they're all great because yes. he has such original out there ideas but I think maybe because he was he had a very specific plot to work with in the prestige, and I feel like he really maximized. And obviously, he had great actors too. You know? Yeah, most of his original stuff has to. It, it's not like sci-fi. Well, it is sci-fi, but it's, it's more to do with humans and the psyche. Mm-hmm. It's not like um, aliens and stuff like that. It's right. it's all about psyche. So yeah, it makes sure. him different and interesting. And in here, here's, here's another trivia question for you. Only one of Nolan's films has been nominated for an Academy Award for screenplay you know which one? Oh, for screenplay yeah actually i'm not sorry i'm not sure that's not i'm sorry I, I lied that's not right there is there's two but in my opinion the one probably shouldn't have been nominated only one truly should have been and it was nominated and it's probably his best screenplay in my opinion was it interstellar no oh, i mean instead inst- inception was nominated but that's not the one i would have I chosen, would not have chosen that. no it's memento memento is his best screenplay i think but that was like his OG. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That that movie I still don't understand. <laughs> so I don't know about that. Okay. But 
Well, I like uh, the idea of it. I just don't get it. <laughs> we'll go. I could go in there. I could do okay. a whole Next podcast. Week you get to yeah, do I know. A not adapted. All right. An original. There you All go. right. That's the word. Well, let's wrap up today's se- segment then. And uh, I was going to say session. But segment makes more sense. Uh, yeah. So, Ari, thanks for listening, everybody. Like I said, I hope you want to watch at least one of those films I mentioned, if not all of them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure most of them are on Netflix or available on most other streaming services. So, it shouldn't be hard to find. Uh, yeah, and we'll be back next week with more movie content <laughs> and last of updates and other stuff. <laughs> so thanks for listening, everybody. Boys. Bye. Bye.